0: hello and welcome to glossy trend watch i'm jill manoff editor-in-chief at glossy over the next few weeks we're bringing you bonus episodes on the glossy podcast where we take a deep dive into the changing role of buyers in the fashion industry On today's episode, I sit down with Daniel Todd, senior buyer at Mr. Porter, the online retail store for men. We invited Daniel to talk about how he works closely with the editorial team to curate the best content for customers, and how social media is playing into his buying process. Episode two of the Glossy Trend Watch Buyer Edition starts now. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for joining us.
1: No worries.
0: So definitely, for those who don't know, what do you do? What does a buyer do?
1: Uh, So basically, I'm in charge of selecting product for Mr. Porter. Um, I work across designer, um, so that's everything from Gucci, Balenciaga, Vetmont, Sport, so Under Armour, Nike, and then also oversee our contemporary business. So essentially, it's about selecting the product that we then sell on the site.
0: Amazing. I mean, it sounds like a really cool gig. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean, it's it's a good job. It's kind of like shopping with someone else's money. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Earlier, I was quoting. Do you, do you know the quote from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, no, I don't. No. <laughs> she goes, I want to be a buyer. It just sounds cool. Buyer to buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've been there a while. You've kind of risen through the rank.
1: Yeah. So I've been there since, uh, since the start, actually. Mr. Porter launched in 2011. Okay. I worked in Netaporte for six months prior to that on the jewelry department. Um, oh, amazing. But yeah, i uh, yeah been there since the start. I started off as what we would call a buyer's admin, um, and then was an assistant buyer, and then a buyer, um, and now I'm the senior buyer, kind of on those three areas.
0: Amazing. And how yeah. large is your team?
1: Uh, my team is, so I have an assistant buyer and a buyer's admin, and then we have a merchandise team. So they're kind of the guys that run all the numbers and help us. Uh, help keep us in line basically stop us going crazy with the with the budgets yes um, and then there are so I have those departments and then there are other departments like luxury and casual wear um, and grooming and fine watches so it's probably about nine buyers at Mr Porter
0: yeah um, I would think that everyone, like I think of Mr. Porter as a luxury site. Does Is it kind of hard? Is that a challenge for you to kind of, you know, reiterate or um, does everyone know that you carry casual wear, sportswear, lower end, I guess, lower end items than the Gucci's of the world?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we started off with 80 brands. We've now got 550 brands um, and we've sold to about 175 countries at last, uh, at last count. So I think, you know, Mr. Porter, Porter's evolved as a proposition. It was very much luxury-focused when we launched because that was about establishing Mr. Porter as a brand. And then as we've evolved, we've kind of very naturally grown into these other departments, so the latest being fine watches. Um, before that, it was sport. Before that, it was grooming.
0: Where are you finding inspiration? I would think that as you're... We always hear about the importance of the curation. Um, I'm sure that kind of this ex- exclusivity, which I really want to get into, is is super important. But where are you finding inspiration today? Is it social media more so than than the runways? Yeah. How would you describe it?
1: I think it's it's as you alluded to, social media has become a big part of it. Um, you know, previously it was kind of magazines and it was the runway shows, um, but now social media but also like the trips that we do you know I go to Japan twice a year come to New York it's just interesting to see how you know different people dress and different trends that exist within local markets Um, and that might be a brand level that might be kind of you know uh, a selection of brands that seem to be hot in different areas so you know there's lots of different places that we find inspiration
0: yeah are do you have a lot of emerging designers? Is that really something you're tapped into?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I think that's super important. I think it's important for a business like Mr. Porter to use its position to support emerging designers. Um, and I think you know now more than ever it's the the platform for young and emerging designers is there because it's a lot easier for emerging designers to make contact to get their work out there. Yeah. Um, you know, social media or just you know generally kind of, awareness i think and accessibility to buyers and, and businesses is easier
0: are you obsessed on instagram or are you, with digging and looking and yeah i do you? i do
1: <laughs> um i do find myself spending a lot of time on instagram and you sort of but i mean you know it's such a great tool and as i said you know you could be a kid a 16 year old kid in his bedroom that's made t-shirts and yes. you know instagram gives you a platform to go out there and sort of show what you're doing to everyone
0: Definitely. So how important are exclusives right now? When you're talking with brands, you work with, the, you know, some of the same brands time and time again. Yep. Are you pressuring them to? Is that important to you?
1: Uh, it is important. You know, we know that our customer is interested in kind of the latest product, exclusive product and sort of having access to things that they can't get elsewhere. Yep. Um, but I don't, you know, I'd like to think we're not pressuring brands. I think, you know, it's always a relationship thing. Um and they tend to come about very naturally. So we did a big one with Prada. We did a big one with Visvian. We obviously did the Balenciaga one. Um, and then I'm in New York at the moment to talk about the kind of the ones we've done with 15 Japanese brands. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're a great way of sort of showcasing brands and talking about them, you know, whether it's a collection of brands or whether it's one big brand. Uh, exclusives are, you know, are something that we... Uh, you know, the customers are always asking us for and they're they're kinda of, they're fun to put together as well.
0: Yeah. Do they have different levels in terms of um, the amount of input that you're doing? Like how did the Prada, that one's an official collaboration, you would call it. And how did that come to be? Was it a long process?
1: Yeah, it it was a long process. So, you know, we obviously um, had worked with Prada for a while. There was a huge desire from our side to do something exclusively with them. You know, it resonates so well with our customer. Um, And I think the nice thing about something like Prada is, you know, you can... It appeals to a younger guy with the sort of, you know, the streetwear, more technical element, but then also that more sort of classic consumer with like, you know, the amazing tailoring or like the cashmere knits or, yep. you know, it, it has a real wide demographic. Um, so yeah, we we sort of approached them and then we met with their design team in Milan um, a couple of times to sort of go through ideas, go through fabrics. Um, so it's nice from our side to be involved at the the product almost at the inception stage because normally, you know, we see a collection it it's already
0: produced. Yeah, that's definitely a perk to have something nobody else has. Yeah, you mentioned kind of I don't know your customer. We're hearing a lot that menswear is really outpacing womenswear in terms of sales. What are you seeing? Is it that men are you know taking more chances? They're they're going after more trends. Why why is this happening?
1: Yeah, I think you know men are just generally taking more of an interest in what they wear. Um, Thank and God. I think- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's down to, you know, there's some amazing menswear brands, there's some amazing product out there. Um, and I think, yeah, guys are just more interested in that sort of, you know, looking good, basically. And I think, you know, it's probably easier now than ever, because there are so many great brands, and there are, it's a lot easier to discover them. And I think, yeah, with a site like ours, you might not be comfortable with going into a store and trying on something that you think, you know, do I look too old for this? Is this going to fit me nicely? But you know, with us, you can get it at home, try it on, and no one's going to know if, uh, yes. <laughs> if it hopefully doesn't look terrible. And <laughs> do you
0: think it has to do with kind of the the shift from maybe like the trend before was like slim suiting or whatever it was, but now it's more kind of this casualization, streetwear, yeah. sneakers. Um, how has this kind of I don't know, uptick in those trends really affected what you do.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we we see that sort of the streetwear trend um, or like luxury sportswear, even from guys like Tom Ford and uh, Cuccinelli and Laura Piana. Um, but also I think, you know, specifically talking about the US market, like I'm always interested to see the, the NBA teams when they're coming out and doing their walk-ons. Like, you know, the Cavaliers, I think, did the collab with Tom Brown. And, you know, just big sports stars are kind of... These are guys that are, you know, are sporty, but also super into dressing and looking good. And I think that sort of, you know, that that is indicative of how men are kind of more interested in fashion.
0: Yeah, I think we had somebody on the podcast... Um, before that called like the stadium tunnel, the new runway. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you
1: know, it is, it's a huge moment. And these guys are, you know, have got millions and millions of Instagram followers and they're, you know, they're, they're interested in looking good and kind of making a statement. Um So yeah, it's, it's cool, I think.
0: Agree. Do you pay attention to the runway? Do you still go to fashion week?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. Um We still go to fashion week. I still think it's, you know, it's super important. Obviously, Um, You know, there are more and more menswear brands showing as part of women, so it doesn't quite have the gravitas that maybe it did, but there is still, you know, it's still super important for us to go and, you know, um, to kind of be a part of that. And, you know, the men's fashion week is still very important, I think.
0: Yeah. And is it more so like just seeing what's there? Is, did, have have you gone from maybe you're popping to showroom to showroom, going to men's week, placing your orders on the spot to mm. maybe maybe it's digital, maybe it's less seasonal. How would you describe that transition?
1: Um, I mean, I think that's kind of there are two parts to that question. We're yeah. still doing, um, you know, we still work on a fairly traditional fashion calendar. So we go to the shows in January. We go to the shows in June. We place orders that will then deliver. You know, if it's January, they'll start delivering in kind of uh, May time, okay. and if it's June, they'll start delivering sort of November time. Yeah. But then what we're doing is a lot more of these kind of collabs and capsules of product that's more like buy now, wear now, to use yes. a sort of <laughs> a, a slightly horrible fashion term. But you know, it's that thing we were talking about this earlier, and it's um, it's how you know a guy wakes up in the morning and he's like, wow, it's sunny outside. I don't have any shorts, or I don't, you know, I think women. Tend tend to shop more, they'll see things and they'll buy a coat in summer and they'll put it away in their wardrobe and then they'll wear it when it's cold. Whereas I think guys certainly from personal experience and, You know, you don't really do that. You wake up and you think, oh, wow, it's cold. I'll go and buy a coat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of, I think I'm a dude. (laughs) I'm like that. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. So they want to see now, buy um, buy now, wear now. But um, more so than those like seasonal drops. Do you have new product on your site every day?
1: Uh, We launch new product three times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, And as I said, you know, we have 550 brands. We probably upload... Around about mm, 500 new products every week. So, you know, there is a huge desire from customers to see newness, um, new brands, new products, new collaborations. And that's really what sort of drives the site.
0: Totally. Are you working closely? I know for a netaporte and Porter and um, the whole company, really content is a big a big part of big piece of the pie. Yeah. Are you working closely with the editorial side? How would you describe that relationship?
1: Yeah, so we work really closely with them. I mean, I think the whole having worked in Porte, the whole sort of idea of content and commerce is really what sets us apart. Yep. Um, and, you know, we we like to bring on brands and a product that kinda of has a bit of a story about it. So, mm. you know, it's You know, we would never, it's a true editorial team, as much as I would like to go to them and say, can you write a nice story about this t-shirt because I really want to sell it, you know, it's like, well, what is the story? Why is there, you know, is there an interesting story behind the manufacturing or is there like an interesting brand ambassador or, you know, so we, we work with them very closely. Um, When we're putting together collaborations, we work with them as well and kind of loop them in from the beginning. Um, Great. Because yeah, you know we have we have a super strong editorial proposition, so it's important to get their buy in at the beginning, um, and that helps to shape kind of what we do on the product side.
0: So you can't say this is not selling.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. As much as some, there are times when I would like to do that, it's like well, yeah, you, it needs <laughs> to have a bit of a reason to to talk about it.
0: Do you see your own success as in terms of like if sales are good?
1: yeah yeah hundred percent I yeah. mean we we get our we get our figures on a Sunday, and you know if my department's had a bad week, i'll you will know, be a little bit sulky for a while. <laughs> 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 I think ultimately you know you want you, you want the what you've bought to do well um, yeah. and kind of you know people to buy into it.
0: Totally. Talk to me about your customer data. are you do you have a constant eye on it? Is that really driving your buys? How much is that playing into it, and would you say it's more than ever?
1: Yeah I think so I mean obviously you know we have a a huge amount of data being online I think that's super important Um, you know one of the reasons that we did uh, we've done this Japan capsule and we're doing a lot of activity in New York um, or you know is we know that those brands over index in terms of sales in the US so it makes sense for us to do something here and kind of you know, talk to the U.S. press and sort of introduce it in this market because actually we know that the Japanese product is resonating really well in this market.
0: Yeah, talk to me about this Japanese capsule that you have going on right now. It's a mix of designers. Is this something um, that you're trying to do more often? Again, this really highlights this, how do we call it, curation. Um, How did this come about? Again, something like this. Is it long time coming and are Japanese designers, you know, available anywhere else?
1: yeah so i mean it has been a long time coming i go to japan twice a year um, and we started these conversations in april 2018 um so it's 15 brands we've worked with them there's 123 exclusive um styles uh there are five new brands or 10 existing brands um and yeah it's been you know to to kind of bring all that together is quite hard work and it's but the reason we've done that is because we really wanted to highlight the sort of breadth of Japanese fashion. Um, so we have, you know, we have um stuff from the soloist, um, Takahiro Miyashita. We have stuff yes. from Neighbourhood. We have stuff from Needles. uh Fragment, of have done a collab with Wakamaria. Maria. So we really feel like, you know, we've kind of, we've brought together all these brands to sort of celebrate Japan, which is, you know, a really inspiring market for us and a market that, you know, has, is renowned for producing great product.
0: Definitely. Is this a Fragment? This, this, this <laughs> what are, is a, tell us what you're wearing.
1: Uh, I'm wearing the Fragment uh Waka Maria camp collar shirt that they've done exclusively for us. Um, so yeah, Wakamaria is a brand that I, I really, really like. And they, uh, yeah, they did a f- couple of collab styles with Fragment. So obviously Fujiwara is like, you know, such a... Uh, I kind of, you know, um, an important figure in fashion. So it was great to have him involved in this collab.
0: Is that one of the perks of the job? Do you get first dibs? (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Not as much as I would like, or as people think. I think people are always like, I bet you get loads of free clothes, but it's it's really not like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you, what you do, I I would say that you have to have your eye on on everything, your your collaborations, your partners, you're ranging from everything from Fragment to a Lululemon. Talk yep. to me about kind of teaming with Lululemon, where that fits in, how that came to be.
1: Yeah. So that was a project that I worked on. And that really came, um, it's interesting, we talked before about kind of finding inspiration in markets. So yeah, we launched our sports offer, um, which is a true performance sport offer, because I think You know, we have 550 brands, as I said, and it's, you know, we want the sport offer to be really grounded in technical products because our whole ethos from the very beginning has been about brands not replicating other brands. You know, there's no point us having... Uh, 10 chino brands because ultimately you know it's better for us to have an edited viewpoint so when the customer comes on they see that it's a curation um rather than just kind of be all things to all people Yep. so you know lululemon was a brand that having come to the u.s quite a lot you know i see so many people wearing and then i got my hands on some of the products and i was like you know this is actually really amazing product so we just reached out to them and said you know we'd love to work with you guys they weren't really wholesaling it um but we we sort of you know spoke to the team and we worked on the exclusive capsule to launch it um but, you know, that just came from the fact that it's just really, really good product. And we knew that um, from the data that we had, you know, our customers were like-minded kind of. Um, so it just felt like a very natural relationship. Um, but that was a good one to work on. You know, they're, they're a great team and, you know, it's done very well for us. Um, totally.
0: And n- no concern that, you know, other they're carry- selling their own product, obviously. Other retailers, I don't think they have a lot of retail partnerships. Do you? Do you know? No, you the they, they
1: don't. Um, they've done a small partnership before with a store in Canada, but at the moment, as far as I know, we're the only wholesale account. Um, Are men
0: wearing leggings?
1: Uh, they're wearing <laughs> compression leggings, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a big, um, a big part of the market. We sell a lot of compression leggings.
0: Amazing. I just did a story where we were talking about... Men's shopping habits. Just want to get your take on the fact that you kind of mentioned you don't want to have 10 Chino brands. It is about the curation, but are you also finding that men, you know, more so than women, want it easy? They don't, maybe they don't want to say, this is the only Chino you need, but. They do want to, you know, this is the best version of this style. Is, is, does that benefit you to kind of position things that way?
1: Uh, I think, you know, some, it really depends. You There are guys that are, want that kind of guidance. You know, they want to go on the site and they, you know, the editorial content resonates so well because guys, you know, they're, they're interested in learning about new brands and new things. and But they also, you know, there's so much product out there. They also want to go on somewhere where they feel like, has an authority and a voice, um, and kind of you know. Hopefully, they feel that if we're sort of standing behind these brands, then you know they're good brands and they're worth looking into. Um, and I think you know we, as you alluded to, you know we sell chinos from J Crew, but then we also sell chinos from Cuccinelli. So it's yeah. you know we have a wide spectrum of brands. Um, but yeah, I think I think so.
0: Cool. Talk about your kind of sneaker streetwear that area. Um. Any interest in kind of, or do you do this now, bring on any sort of vintage or resale? That that area is obviously really picking up. Is that something you're eyeing?
1: Uh, I mean, it's not something we're eyeing at the moment, but it is, you know, it is a huge, huge market. Um, I actually listened to one of your podcasts with the guys from StockX, which I thought was super interesting. Um and I think I saw an advert of theirs on TV the other day in, in the UK, actually. So they're obviously kind of yeah, expanding. That's
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> and I think what they've done is amazing. Um, and, you know, you can't ignore that that whole resale world and the sort of the second hand, the sort of, you know, the resale market. And Japan, again, you know, you go there and they're kind of, they've been doing that for years. and It is it's super interesting. And um, I don't see that going away anytime soon. But yeah, probably not something that we're going to kind of go into at the moment.
0: (laughs) I think it would do well. I would recommend it. (laughs) Um, So um, as you're noticing kind of, again, the trends, um, what's picking up, what's dying down. um, I would think that especially in terms of shoes, like comfort, sneakers, are dress shoes selling whatsoever?
1: (laughs) No, they are. They are selling. I think, um, you know. The, the big trends have been led by brands like Balenciaga and Gucci and it's been very sort of logo driven for the last few seasons and that has kind of coincided with the fact that, you know, sneakers are huge, streetwear is huge and there's definitely a more sort of, guys are dressing in a more casual way, you know, even at big kind of, you know, Big companies, they don't have to necessarily wear a suit anymore, and the the dress code is becoming more relaxed. But what I think we are seeing is a move back towards certainly if you look at the runway from like the last Balenciaga show, the last Gucci show, you know, it's definitely towards a more tailored proposition. I think that's what the brands and kind of general trends are moving slowly back towards. I don't think streetwear is going anywhere, but so kind of with that, I think we will see a move to a more sort of you know, a formal not necessarily a kind of classic three-piece suit again, but, you know, a more sort of tailored uh, look as opposed to kind of the very, very casual streetwear we have at the moment.
0: Definitely. Do you have a theory on your own collaborations? We talk a lot about, you know, how many collaborations is too many collaborations? Are you all Virgil abloh out? But (laughs) on a personal note, um, I don't know, like how many would be ideal for you to kind of keep that newness, keep the freshness?
1: I think the important thing is that not doing things for the sake of it i think that you know there has to be a reason to do something and i think you know you can very quickly end up with a lot of product that just sort of looks the same and doesn't really have a story behind it if you're just kind of doing collabs for the sake of it so i think you know there needs to be there needs to be a story and a reason for a collab to be whether that's two brands that wouldn't normally work together whether that's kind of you know Uh, specific products that you want to work on, whether that's around a specific launch. Um, You know, I think that kind of gives it an authenticity rather than just thinking, oh, you know, collabs are hot right now. Let's just let's do a collab.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's been a successful one that maybe wasn't a Mr. Porter collab that you thought was really um, a good, good idea?
1: I mean I thought the Supreme Viton was a was a master stroke. Yeah. Um I mean that really kind of you know, I've been a big Supreme fan for a long time. Um, but now seeing how that brand has kind of blown up on really on that collab was huge and fair play to them and kind of fair play to Viton for putting it together, I thought it was, you know, like it or not, it it's garnered so much attention, it was insane. Yes. Um so yeah, that's been. I'm sure that's been super successful.
0: It was great. Back to customer data. Kind of, what do you know about your customer? Because um, is it a lot of women shopping for men? Is it a lot of just men shopping for themselves? How old are they? Like, what do we know?
1: Uh, I mean, I think the average age of our customers around 38 years old. Um, it is mainly, I guess, guys shopping. You know, we obviously have cross shopping from net a um, but yeah, I think. Um, You know, that age, that's sort of the target age of our customer. And then obviously, you know, we're building out our contemporary department at the moment. So you'll see a lot of newness there, which is aimed at a younger customer. So, you know, not everything we do is targeted at one customer. I think, you know, there's there's a wide mix of people shopping on Mr. Porter.
0: That makes sense. Any any plans to go to brick and mortar? Do you think that it's important to be able to um, give your customer a chance to try on and have that touch and feel kind of experience?
1: I think, you know, one thing that we have, you know, the the point of difference of Mr. Porter, I would like to think is kind of is that service proposition. So it's, you know, it's the amazing service. It's the same day delivery in New York. It's the same day delivery in London. And you do very quickly find yourself thinking, do I actually need to go to the store? But at the same point, I do, you know, when I go to somewhere like Tokyo, I'm blown away by the physical retail. So I absolutely think, you know, physical retail is here to stay. What form that takes, I don't know, you know, whether that's kind of a sort of an experiential place or whether that's like the traditional retail model we have now. But, you know, I think it is important for brands to be able to engage with customers in the physical and physical space
0: agree that makes sense and then gosh if you had a maybe in your own words like you've been at, at this for six plus years seven six yep. um yeah so gosh the the evolution that you've seen the change in the in your role i guess and not just the industry your role um would you say it's maybe the move from seasonal to Uh, less structured or the move to kind of physical and spreadsheets and Excel Mm. documents to this kind of more automated digital systems. What are the biggest moves?
1: Uh, I think the biggest moves have been the whole, the, the shift in the calendar. So the traditional sort of menswear calendar has changed quite a lot. But then I also think that as we spoke about, you know, the internet means that the world is kind of a much smaller place. So in a way it makes our job I was going to say easier but it's kind of you know it's sort of 50 50 but if a brand wants to get in touch with you now it's a lot easier for them to get their product out there which I think can only be a good thing because you know there's some amazing brands out there that even five years ago you know you just wouldn't have discovered um you know we're about to start working with a designer called Ev Bravado which is one that we found on Instagram and you know the Previously, you would have gone to a trade show or, you know, you would have seen them at Fashion Week. But now, you know, there's this platform and social media has given people, you know, a platform to kind of get their stuff out there.
0: Are trade shows dead?
1: Uh, I don't think they're dead. I think, you know, if you look at the example of something like Pity, Pity is super important for us. And what they've done very well is... So this season, I think Ferragamo is showing, uh, the Sterling Ruby show is there, Givenchy Sheer doing the first menswear show. So, you know, they very cleverly combined kind of the traditional trade show element with these shows, which kind of gives everyone a reason to go there. Um, so I think, you know, trade shows needed to evolve and, you know, Pity's a very good example of how you can still be a super successful trade show.
0: Definitely. Do you still get excited to go?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I still, you know... Kind of in contrast to what I was saying about social media, there are still brands that you will find at a trade show that you haven't seen before. So you might not get the same level of kind of discovery that you were going to get 10 years ago where you would have found you know lots of brands you hadn't seen. But there are, still, there are still brands out there that you think, wow, I've never seen this before. This is cool.
0: There's hope for the trade show. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think so. I think so. Um, and definitely, you know, I think it will always have a place of being, certainly for independent stores as well. You know, they're a very useful tool.
0: Nice, we will leave it there. But I have to ask you: you you see everything that's out there. So overall, a move from maybe, maybe a move from this kind of streetwear casual to a more tailored, buttoned-up look. What would you say is next?
1: Uh oh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I think <laughs> as you I, the spot.
1: I think as I said that the the streetwear I don't see going anywhere. I think you know the way that guys mix brands is has evolved, and you know streetwear. You know what is luxury now. Uh, in today's market was not luxury even two, three years ago, you know, the way that guys will mix Vuitton with Nike, with Supreme with Balenciaga, you know, that's a real kind of evolution. I think we'll just see more of that. I think less of people sort of dressing in a very kind of rigid way and but people, guys being more experimental, I think and being happy to sort of mix brands and trends.
0: Awesome. Can't wait for that. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks for being here. No problem. That's all for this episode of the Glossy Trend Watch. Special thanks to Aditi Sungol, the producer of this podcast. We'll be back next week with the next episode where I'll talk to Louis DiGiacomo, the VP of menswear at Saks Fifth Avenue. He'll discuss how buyers at Saks balance data with a personal touch and how they played into the retailer's recent flagship renovation. In the meantime, please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Give us a rating and tell us what you think. It helps our podcast be discovered by new listeners. And I'll be back next week.